أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه أجمعين يا من ترانا وتسمعنا وتعلم حالنا ولا يخفى عليكم معرفتنا وأحوالنا يا رب العالمين اغفر لنا وارحمنا واسترنا وانصرنا أيدنا كلنا لا تكن علينا يا كريم رب احفظنا بحفظك التام واسترنا بسترك الجميل يا رب احفظنا بحفظك التام واسترنا بسترك الجميل يا رب هيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا واجعل معونتك الحسنى لنا مددا بالأولياء بالصالحين بجمعهم من جاءنا القرآن عنهم مرشدا فرج بفضلك إلهيك ربنا يا خير مد لنا وله يدا اللهم رب افتح لنا فتوح العارفين العاشقين ونجينا اللهم من الهم والغم والحزن والكرب العظيم وتقبل منا يا كريم وتقبل منا يا رحيم وتقبل منا يا رحمن يا رحيم اللهم رب ادخلنا في درسنا هذا مدخل صدغ وأخرجنا منه مخرج صدغ واجعل اللهم لنا فيه من لدنك سلطان النصيرة وصلي وسلم على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العوضة من لساني يبقه قولي ربي أوزعني لك نعمتك التي نعمت علي وعلى والديها ونعمل صالحا ترضى واصف لك ذريتي إني تبت إليك وإني من المسلمين صلي وسلم على سيدنا النبي الأمين وآله وسلم الفاتح بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين يا كن عبد يا كن استعين هذه نصرات المستقيم صرات الذين نعمت عليهم وين مغضب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله الأمين وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا now, when we come to look at the history of Islam and we look at the life of all those who lived to guide, to direct, to teach in Islam and have done great job, and we always forget that, subhanAllah, the earlier generation have done the biggest job to maintain the deen that we have today. If there is any damage that has been done, it's done in the late years. The damage is done in the late years, and we are to blame for a lot of the damage that is being done. Because the early generation, they did not just conquer the land, but they conquered the heart of the people. But the scholars, without fail, they all agree, they all agree that subhanallah, 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 if there is any time in history that have clearly shown the clear way ahead for Rasulullah and for the da'wah of Islam, it is Ma'rikat Badr. It is the battle of Badr. Here, I would like to say that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as I explained last week, he did not ever, ever went out of his way to fight people or to attack people or to take anything out of them. He only went out of his way to defend himself. What he wanted, the freedom to stand to believe in what he has brought and to allow other people to listen to his message and whether they accept it or not, it was his aim. He wanted the da'wah of Islam to be given the chance, especially when he saw the oppression of women, when he saw the oppression of people in general, especially when they are poor, and when he saw people were doing evil things towards one another, and in fact, the most holiest place in the world, the most holiest shrine, the Kaaba itself was abused by the presence of the idols whom the Mushrikeen were putting in that place. So in the second year of Hijrah, the same year when Ramadan was made compulsory, as I said last week, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the permission for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to show the way ahead for the Muslims. Now, 
It was sad to see that the mushrikeen were leaving Mecca and were coming to the doors of Medina, trying to intimidate the Muslims, trying to do anything to frighten them, to make them retreat from what they have come to believe to be the truth in the message of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam heard there is a huge caravan carrying a lot of wealth for the people of Mecca, for the Quraysh. And it was led by the most staunch enemy of Islam, Abu Sufyan. And it was coming, okay, from Sham, going towards Mecca. Of course, if you are coming from Sham, you have to pass through Medina, and then you come down, inshallah, to Mecca. And when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam heard of that, as I said last week, he was sending groups to go out and show themselves that they're not frightened, they're not worried. And especially when the Ansar of Medina, Al-Aws Al-Khazraj, has given an oath and a promise that they will defend him to the death. So subhanAllah, he said, we need to go out. This is what he said to the Ansar of Medina and the Muhajirin with him. We need to get out. Now, every victory that has taken place thereafter for the Muslims, in the time of the Khulafa, in the time of the later Khulafa who came, even in the time of Muhammad al-Fatih when he conquered uh, Constantinople, it was not to happen or to take place without Badr. Because it was the beginning of the victory. It was the victory for the Muslims. Okay? Allah called this Yawmul Furqan. What does that mean? It's a day of the distinction between the truth and falsehood. Al-Haq wal-Batil. Yawmul Furqan. They were absolutely adamant what they were holding in the Kaaba, worshipping the idols, the way of their fathers is the way. And there is no other way. And Rasulullah said, no, this is not the way. The way is worshipping Allah the one. And there is no partners to him. Say Allah is one. And therefore, in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states and says in Surah Al-Anfal, verse 41, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن كنتم آمنتم بالله وما أنزلنا على عبدنا يوم الفرقان يوم التقى الجمعان. If you truly, truly believed in Allah subhanahu wa taala and that which we revealed unto our servant in the day, okay, of the distinction between the truth and falsehood, the day when the two groups met. Here, the scholars without fail in Tafsir al-Quran they say this the day of Badr. Okay? Now, when Rasulullah heard that Abu Sufyan is coming from Sham and he was carrying a lot of goods in his caravan, and it, caravan used to have a thousand or two thousand or three thousand camels carrying goods, okay? Huge, like the big ships we have today, and they're bringing it to Mecca. And it carried a lot of goods for the richest men of Mecca. But at that time, the Quraysh have already started, okay? their battles by intimidating the weak Muslims, by not allowing some of the Muslims who are living in Mecca to, to leave and come to join their brothers in Medina, by traveling and coming to the, okay, the borders of Medina to try to do anything to restrain the Muslims. Okay? They made life difficult for the Muslims. They make it so hard. They could not wait to destroy Islam. They could not wait to make sure that Islam will never spread. So anything that they could do, they have done. And therefore, Rasulullah was ready to show them a different way. Now, he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
know that if the Muslims can make sure that the Mushrikeen stand in front of him and fight, he's going to win a battle. And this battle will be a battle that will show to the whole communities, those who are with animosity living with him in Medina, and those who are away from Medina, especially people of Mecca, that inshallah something is going to happen. Now, the Mushrikeen, subhanAllah, got a message from Abu Sufyan that the Prophet وسلم, is preparing to come and attack the caravan. So they were absolutely adamant to come and destroy him. This is their chance. He will come out. How many men does he have around him? Not many. How many horses does he own? How many camels does he have? How many swords or spears? He doesn't even have the weapons, enough weapons to fight a huge, strong community like that. So, subhanAllah, the mushrikeen began to prepare. Abu Jahl and his people began to feel the anger in their heart that Rasulullah must be taught a lesson and they should come out and they will do something. Okay? Now, Rasulullah would not go out of Medina without consulting the people. And this is here an important lesson for us. If we are trying to do anything and we are in a position of leadership, those whom we are leading, we must consult and take from them their consensus of doing what will bring them the benefit. If they said yes, we go ahead. If they said no, we reason with them and we might even refrain from doing it. And subhanAllah, he consulted the people who promised to save him. Okay? And we know their leader, okay? Sa'ad ibn Ma'ath, as we talked about him before, said to the Prophet when he consulted him, okay? Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, كَأَنَّكَ تَعْرِضْ بِنَا لَعَلَّكَ تَخْشَى أَن تَكُونَ الْأَنصَارِ تَلَا حَقًّا عَلَيْهَا أَلَّا تَنْصُرَكْ إِلَّا فِي دِيَارِهِمْ O Messenger of Allah, you are consulting us and if you are frightened or worried, okay, that we the Ansar, the Aus and the Khadraj, we have only given you a promise we will protect you within the boundary of Medina. Listen, O Muhammad, inni aqulu an al-Ansar, I am saying about those supporters who gave their homeland to you to come and live in the midst of them, that Whatever you want from them is accepted. Okay? I am answering on their behalf. Stay wherever you want to stay. You will get your protection. Link with any community you want. Within Medina or outside, you have our support. Cut your relationship with anybody you want to cut. We are not going to question that. Take from our wealth whatever you need. We are not going to worry about that. Okay? Give us whatever you want to give us. And we will be happy with it. But remember, O Muhammad, whatever you take from us will be always the most loved by us than what you left behind. Look at their commitment. They say to Rasulullah, anything you see here fitting for supporting you, take. We're not going to say, why are you taking it? However, what you take will make us more happy than what you left. Because we know you're going to use it for that which is right, that which is good. Whatever commandment you command us, we will follow. For indeed your commandment must be followed. For wallahi la insirta hatta tablugh al-birak min qamadan. 
لان سيرنا معك باي الله اولمايتي جود اف يو ترافل انتل يو ريتش اوكي ذا بوند اوف رمضان وي ويل فولو يو ان باي الله اولمايتي جود والله لان استعرضت بنا هذا البحر خذناه معك باي الله اولمايتي جود اف يو وينت تو ذا ريد سي ان يو ووك ثرو ات وي ويل ووك بيهايند يو وي ويل نوت فير دراوننج اون ذا ووتر Nobody can walk on the sea. Maybe they can try to walk, maybe in a small, okay, stream, not even a river. But to cross the sea, we simply say, if you walk to the sea, we will walk behind you. Because we know you are guided. You know, we know that you are being guided. Al-Miqdad, okay, also from the Ansar says, La naqulu lak kama qala Musa, qamu Musa li Musa. We will not say to you, What the people of Musa said to Musa. We will not say to you what the people of Musa said to Musa. What did the people of Musa said to Musa? اذهب أنت وربك فغاتلا إنها هنا قاعدون. Oh Musa, go and your Lord and fight the battle. We are going to remain here and wait for you to come back. You fight the battle, win it. When you finish, we are ready to follow you wherever you want to go. We're not going to say that. If you command us to come behind you to fight, We're not going to coward. We're not going to be frightened. We will carry on and fight with you. وَلَكِنَّا نُقَاتِلْ عَنْ يَمِينَكُ وَعَنْ شَمَالِكُ وَمِنْ بَيْنَ يَدَيْكُ وَمِنْ خَلْفِكُ However, we'll be fighting beside you on the right, on the left, okay? And behind you and in front of you. When Rasulullah heard what they said, he was so delighted. His face was full of nur. He was shining with joy, okay? And then what he says, Siru Abshiru. Let's walk out of Medina, Siru Abshiru. Let's walk out of Medina and have the good tiding. You will surely win. You will surely win, inshallah. Now, when they came out to Badr, a lot of the people who came out were young kids with Rasulullah. One of them, his name is Umair ibn Abi Waqqas. He is the brother of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. Umair ibn Abi Waqqas, the brother of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, was very young. He did not reach the age of 16. At that time, a man is seen to be a man when he reached the age of 21. And this is from the teaching of Muhammad in the tarbiyah, in the raising of children. Play with them and love them for seven. Teach them and discipline them for seven. Accompany them and make them your friend for seven. So seven, 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 twenty-one years. For twenty-one years, the child is under the instruction of his parents. Once he reaches twenty-one years, he's considered to be a man now. He can go. He had learned. He had the love of the mother and the joy and the pleasure of playing. He had the teaching and the guidance and the direction of the parents or the father. And then at the end, subhanAllah, he went through, okay, with his father or the girl with her mother to be guided. And that is what has happened. Do you need anything? Let's say. Ah, okay. So for this reason, okay, we need to appreciate and understand anybody who is younger than that considered to be still young. Now this young guy was under 16, okay, or 16 years old. Who is he? Umair ibn Abi Waqqas, the brother of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, who is one of the ten people, okay, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about, or Rasulullah 
mention okay who will be entering paradise inshallah and he was hiding to go out with the people to Badr and he was hiding because he did not want the Prophet to see him and say to him, you are young, go back to your family. Subhanallah, while he was doing this, his brother, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, said to him, why are you doing this? Just walk. He said, no, I don't want the Prophet to see me and then I know he's a kind man and he'll be frightened and worried for me and he will think I'm not ready enough to go and fight among the men. But I wish he will allow me and perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide for me the chance to die as a shaheed. Perhaps maybe Allah will provide for me the time to be dying as a shaheed. And this is what happened. Rasulullah looked at him and asked him, said to him, you're too young, Ya Umayyad. I don't want you to be going out with us. And then something happened to you. You can go back. Well, do you know what he did? He started crying. Umayr started crying and crying. And the Prophet's heart could not take it. Then he said to him, look, if you really feel this feeling, come with me. Because he realized his intention is to defend Islam and to find behind Rasulullah and to die as a martyr. And in that battle, he was one of the people who died. Very few Muslims died, but he was one of them who died and became a, sh- a shaheed. Okay? Now, when we come and look at the difference between the army of the Mushrikeen and the army of the Muslimin, it's a huge difference between the two armies. The army of the Mushrikeen was huge, led by Abu Sufyan and Abu Jahl and Udba. These are the Ataula, these are the big men. Okay, of the mushrikeen. And subhanallah, on the other side, the Prophet ﷺ, we see great men like Abu Bakr Sadiq, Uthman Na'fan, okay? Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib. But a lot of the other companions, even Ali ibn Abi Talib, they were young. But look at the difference. The mushrikeen had an army over 1,000 people, and many of them are fighters who fought many battles. They're ready, they're the real soldiers. They had horses, they had camels, they had plenty weapons. But the Prophet ﷺ, he had 313 fighters around him. And they had very, very few camels, no horses. Okay? And it is hard. The battle, just like an army is fighting on foot and an army is fighting on tanks. That's the way you can see the difference. Okay? Here you can see, subhanAllah, these are in the tank, these are walking on foot. The destruction could be easy for those people who are in foot. Okay? Now, subhanAllah, the companions, because they didn't have enough vehicles to ride on, they say sometimes on a camel, maybe there is three or four riding. Okay? Maybe there are three or four riding because they didn't have enough camel to ride to go out of. And Medina, by the way, when you go to it and you want to go and visit Badr, Uhud is not far. But Badr is far away. Even by car, it takes whoever went to Badr is far. When you go, they say, I want to go and visit Badr. The drivers will tell you it's not near. It will take a long journey by car. Imagine by camel. It takes a long time. So you can't just walk and get there. When Abu Sufyan heard the Muslims were coming out, he tried 
to move further. Imagine he's coming, this is the route will lead to Medina, straight ahead. The Red Sea is here, okay? Between okay, what, Egypt and Sudan side, and this Saudi Arabia. So what he did, he went through the coast, moved away from Medina. He knows they cannot come to him. They don't have the ability to cross the desert and come to him. So he wanted to take the long route. He had enough to sustain him, and the, his people can come to him. Although he sent the message, Ferris, come and support me, and Abu Jahl and Udba and all of them, they were preparing an army. He sent the message and said, look, Alhamdulillah, I found the route by the coast, and I'm safe. Don't worry about Muhammad and his people. They're weak. They will not come to me. Go back. But they didn't. They realized this is a chance. A one chance for them to come through and meet the Prophet face to face with whoever with him to destroy him forever. So they refused. They said, we're coming. And they came. Okay? They came and brought their armies with them. In the leadership of the army, what we call in Arabic, Samadid Quraysh, the biggest of the mushrikeens, the biggest of the haters of Islam, the biggest of the haters of even humanity, those who love to destroy, those who love okay, to obstruct the truth, those who love to enslave, those who love to take away the wealth of the poor and to fight for just their own selfish reasons. This is what the whole thing was about. They are the people who are on control, they are the higher, the upper, and the rest have nothing. Okay? Rasulullah came out with his people, and when he came to the valley of Badr, he stayed beside the valley. But listen to this, because he was a wise man, وسلم, the wisest of the men. One of the companions called Al-Khabbab ibn al-Munzir came to him and said, Ya Rasulullah, can you see that the way we stay here is not really beneficial for us to fight a battle? And remember here, the Prophet never fought a battle before. He never stood in a war to fight. But in that battle he has shown how clever he was. So he said to him, and he listened. And this is what it's supposed to be. I mean, today, some people don't want to listen to the advice. I'm older. I'm your father. I'm your teacher. I'm your sheikh. You cannot tell me. So what? If the Prophet ﷺ is listening, imagine before he went out, he discussed with the Ansar. I'm going out. What do you think? When they said yes, he felt happy. Now he suddenly came and said, let us stay by Badr. Not on the world itself, beside it. But Al-Khabab said, Ibn al-Munzir, Ya Rasulullah, ara'ayta hadha al-manzil? A-manzilan anzalakahullah? Is this place you are asking us to stay? Did Allah command you for us to stay here? Laysa lana anataghaddabahu, anataakharahu? And we should not go further from it? Or stay away from it? Am huwa al-ra'i wal-harb wal-makida? Or perhaps it is your decision? and the way you see the war, and the way you plot against the enemy. Clever man. Think with me. Why did he have this question? Because if it is from Allah, I'm not going to go against you. You are the messenger. Do you understand? 
This reminds me when Aisha anha, once, and because she is young, and because of Sallam, wanted her not to feel he's older, he's over 50, and she was young, 15, 16. Then was walking with her, and all the young couple were married, they were laughing, joking. So he said to her, yeah, Aisha, would you like to raise me? And she said, would you raise me? Are you sure? He said, raise me. And he held his jubba, and he ran with her, and he went. And she became very upset and angry. So I said to her, why are you said to him, you only want because you are the prophet? You have got something special. He said, no, no, I just won. Nothing got to do with prophet. I'm just... And when he realized that, it, it, it touched him. So next time when he noticed around there are people walking and everything, he said, I should not said, what's the benefit? You will win again because you are a prophet. You have got the special power. He said, no, I will raise you as a man, just me. And he allowed her to win. You see? So this is Rasulullah in his way. Okay? Aisha said to him, imagine she's young. Maybe you won't because you are the prophet. Here, Al-Khabab is saying to him, is it from you? Or is it a commandment? What did the Prophet Sallallahu say to him? He says to him, بَلْ هُوَ الرَّأِيُ وَالْحَرْبُ الْمَكِيدَةِ It is indeed my decision and the way I think the war should be fought and the way I should plot again is then. Al-Khabab said, Ya Rasulullah, فَإِنَّ هَذَا لَيْتَ بِمَنْزِلُ Oh Messenger of Allah, this is not the right place to stay. Because he knows the war, he fought. He understood the place properly and he's from the people of Medina. وَأَشَارَ عَلَيْهِ بِأَرْضٍ تَطْلُحِ الْحَرْبِ And then he pointed out to an area where it is suitable for war. Okay? فَقَالَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ سَلَّمْ لَغَدْ أَشَرْتَ بِالرَّأِي You have indeed pointed out through your decision the best decision. And he got up and he asked everybody, we go near the water. And they went and stayed there. Okay? And subhanallah, when they went there, it was just at the beginning of the night. Okay? And subhanallah, they opened, okay, like big holes in the ground and made them like pond and filled them with water. When they were there, some of the kuffar who were far away camping, they were coming for water. The Prophet didn't interrupt them. They are allowed to take water. Because the bottle then, when they fought, they wait and they see like the bottles you see in Europe in the past. The enemy is there and you are here and you see? They meet face to face and there's nothing. The stronger will defeat. The one who have got the courage will defeat. The one who knows he has the truth will fight. Okay? To the end. Okay? Either he is winning or he is destroyed. In that night, Allah brought a lot of rain. Okay? That rain was no good. Al-Khabab was clever. Because when the rain comes, there are some areas, the sand in it, if it is muddy, it is terrible. If you go to the countryside in the farms, and it's raining or it is wet, you're going to get dirty, you're going to get stick. If you are driving your vehicle, could stick on the ground. Subhanallah, if you are by the shore, okay, by the sea or by okay, the bank of the river, and it is just sand and it rained, it becomes firmer. It does not restrict you from going. So the mushrikeen were in the land whereby Al-Khabab knew where the Prophet stayed before, it was no good. They were in Tatsha land. So they really suffered in that night. And it made them feel awkward, restricted from move, movement or motion. 
However, the rain that came in the land where the Prophet was staying and his companion because of Sandy, it made it firm, firmer. Okay? I, I come from such a land. When it rains, it becomes proper. Okay? When it, it is dry, it is just like when you are walking in the sand by the, by the sea. Okay? It's difficult. Your feet will okay, stick on the ground. But once it rains, it becomes, mashallah, easy to walk on and easy to do anything you want to do. And Allah revealed this verse in the Quran by saying, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem, this is Surah Al-Anfal, verse 11. وَيُنَزِّلُ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً And it is He, Allah, who brings down from the heaven water لُطَهِرُكُمْ بِهِ To cleanse you with it. وَيُذْهِبُ عَنْكُمْ رِجِدَ الشَّيْطَانِ And to remove away all the obstacles and the evil of the devil within you. وَلْيَرْبِضْ عَلَىٰ قُرُوبِكُمْ And that He will make your heart firm, full of faith. وَيُثَبِّدْ بِهِ الْأَقْدَامِ And that you will find yourself stronger in facing your enemy. So here, a decision made by a companion whom the Prophet ﷺ listened to had brought them something to prove what they have received was good. Here, a lesson for us today. Whatever position we hold, whatever decision we make, either we are the older brother in the family or the colleague who is leading the brothers in college or university or the father in the house, or the leader in the community, whatever position we hold, we must make sure. For sure, for sure, we must make sure that we should never make a decision by ourselves. We should always consult. Allah said in the Quran, And whatever concerns them must be consulted between themselves. And if you want, as a leader, to ask people to do something, whatever decision you want to make, consult them about it. Don't just go ahead. This is a lesson from Rasulullah when we study the seerah. Subhanallah, in this battle we could see the cleverness of Rasulullah The best way possible of looking at people around him and using them and utilizing their talent in reaching his goal. And his goal, not really to destroy. His goal is to show the enemies that I am strong, that Islam will remain, that the freedom of man if it takes the life of men to gain it, we will lose our life for the sake of freedom. Okay? So, Rasulullah prepared himself. And that preparation, okay, began by looking at a high place, a hill, where the companion built like a little shed, a shaded area for the Prophet to stay and from it to command the battle. Now here I want to say something. <laughs> Although he was in a higher place, okay, sitting, watching, to see how the battle should be run, he was not sitting there all the time. He was fighting in the front line. He, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, never, when his companions were doing any activity, for good, in peacetime, or for war, he was staying in the back. Or he was saying, go and fight. No. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not. He was always with them. When they dig the ditch, he was with them, and we'll talk about it in the future. But in Badr, when they build this shaded area, so that he can, from a distance, see what is going on, and decide by his intelligence, and his eye that can see which others cannot see, where the battle will be won. And 
take the decision of his wise men who are around him to carry on and do that which will make them benefit. Subhanallah, when he went up and came down, he was taking some of the companions with him and he was pointing at different areas on the valley and he was saying, Huna fulan, wa huna fulan, wa huna. Here will die so and so. Here will die so and so. He pointed exactly where people will fight and die. He, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when he went to the hill and looked down to the valley where the battle is going to take place next day, he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, came down and took some of the companion with him and went around the valley. And he was telling the companion with him, here, so and so will die. Here, so and so will die. There, so and so will die. And exactly what he said came true. Exactly in the position where he said, so and so will die here, when the bottle finished and came to collect the bodies, they were dead. Dead there. This is the inner sight that Allah has given him, sallallahu alayhi wa to know that which we don't know. But yet, with that power, he was consulting. With that yaqeen within him, he was listening to his companion telling him. When Al-Khabab said to him, not here, Ya Rasulullah, to stay to fight the battle. He said, where? He said, there. That's a better land. He didn't say, no, I know better, I'm the prophet. He went there. I don't want just to listen to the story and take it out for the mind thing. I want to learn the lessons from the story. The lesson here is that when you are in a position of leadership, even within your own home, listen to the advice that's given to you. Perhaps the person who is advising you knows better than that which you know. That's the idea. So here Rasulullah was aware of everything that's taking place. When the Mushrikeen came down for the battle, and remember this was in the night, okay, when the rain came, the 17th, the night of 17th Ramadan. On the 17th Ramadan, Badr took place. Every year, when 17th Ramadan come, we need to remember the people of Badr. And there is a Qasida. I don't know whether you heard about it. Okay? Calling all the name of the people who fought in Badr. Yeah? Have anybody read this Qasida? Beautiful Qasida. Really beautiful. I wish somebody would translate it in English. Really, I tell you frankly, when you read it, and you keep reading it, and Ramadan come and you read on the 17th, Wallah, Allah is my witness. When I used to be young and read it, I could hear the horses. I could hear the sound of the horses. Now, this is shocking. I was young, I used to be astonished. And I used to just ignore it. But this is to show you, those shuhada are alive with their Lord sustained. And whosoever is in difficulty or in problem and that he is finding it hard, when you sit and recite Qasidat al-Ahlu Badr, they will come for your support. Let anybody tell me anything. Because they are there. I will make istiqatha by the awliya, by the righteous and by the shuhada. Bil awliya, بالصالحين بجمعهم من جاءنا القرآن عنهم مرشدا فرج بفضلك يا إلهي كربنا يا خير ممد الأمهدا بالأولياء بإذا أولياء okay. بالصالحين بإذا رأيت يسمن فرج يا إلهي كربنا والله our Lord remove all our difficulties why not because they have a place with Allah they have a position with Allah Allah says in the Quran وابتغوا إليه الوسيلة and if you need from Allah choose 
Okay? Something or someone through whom you can go. Why do we have to go to righteous places to pray? Why? Why do we have to go and ask righteous people to pray for us? Why? Because it is a wasila. It is a means of intercession. The Kaaba, of course, is a place where the dua will be accepted. Badr, indeed, the place the dua will be accepted. When you go to Uhud and you know who died there, Allahu Akbar, who died there? Hamza, Asadullah, of course. Allahu Akbar. And if he's alive and you are saying, Ya Allah, by Hamza, Allahu Akbar. People don't understand. But if that is their understanding, their understanding. Don't you ever let anybody stop you from appreciating and understanding the truth because Rasulullah okay, has taught us the truth. When the two groups in the morning stood, the mushrikeen, with their 1,000 plus soldiers, with their armor, with their camels and horses, with their soldiers who trained themselves for years and fought many battles, and on the other side, Rasulullah with 313 people. Many of them have never fought battle before. Many of them were young. Young like Umair ibn Abi Waqqas, the brother of Sa'd al They're young people. 16 years old. Never fought a battle in his life. But they were willing to give their life for Allah and his messenger. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They're not jokers. You could see that equation is not right. By any means, in the understanding of the battle, or the war, or the fight. They will win. They have the means. Just like today, take any third world country, small one in Africa, Asia, and take America. <laughs> Come on. There's no comparison. America doesn't have to go to that country. They are shooting Pakistan from America itself. What can Pakistan do? Nothing. Will do nothing. That's the that's reality. That's, a, that's what we understand. A big strong man and a weak man, we know the strong man will win. But believe me, with Allah there is something else. If you have the faith in the heart and you have the courage, you could be the weakest in physical terms. But when it comes to the spiritual strength, you will win. Here, an example I can give to you. When Sayyidina Musa, when Sayyidina Sulaiman, alayhi salam, alayhi salam, was sitting in front of all his congregations, among the wisest of the human and the jinn and the animals, and suddenly he turned around to begin his meeting, and the hoopoo bird was not there, al-hudhud. He said, where is he? By Allah Almighty God, unless he comes now, or bring me a good reason if he was delayed, I will slaughter him. Suddenly he comes. And he asked him, what happened to you? Either you tell me the truth, or you'll be slaughtered. He said, it was difficult. There was a sandstorm. I could not see properly that I flown higher. Just like when planes now go higher than the storm. And I was higher, higher, it came to a position where I was drifting. And I found myself looking down to a kingdom ruled by a woman who should encourage her people to worship the sun. You know the story of Sayyidina uh, Sulaiman and Belghis. My understanding here, look, look at the difference. Look at the yaqeen. There is no comparison in the power of the jinn and the human. The women walk and the jinn can fly. The jinn can go deep into the lowest places on this earth and come out. We can't do nothing. We go 20 meters down, we will be suffocated. 
we might die. We leave the atmosphere of the earth, we'll be destroyed, and the jinn will go beyond. Sayyidina Sulaiman, when he heard the message, he said, who will bring me her throne? When did he say that? He said it when suddenly he gave the hoopoo bird or the hoot a message. It is from Sulaiman, it is Bismillah rahman rahim. in the name of Allah most merciful, the compassionate. Took it to her, she read it, she said, Oh my people, indeed if the kings enter into any town or village or city, they will destroy it. What shall I do? Her elder said, send him present. They brought the present. When the present came to him, he became angry. Who will bring me her throne now? Don't you think he could bring it himself? But he was asking. He was not arrogant. That's like Sayyidina Muhammad listening to Khabab and asking him and following his advice. A powerful jinn. You never want to meet Ifrit, by the way. Be careful. I'll bring it for you, Ya Sulaiman, before you finish your meeting. One simple man, humble man, human being, but a pious, righteous man called Asif in Nibarkhia. Looked at Sulaiman and said, I will bring it for you before you blink. And it was there. How did he do that? What's the comparison between this Ifrit and this human being? Faith. Trust in Allah. Dependence upon Allah. Subhanallah. This is what we lack today. We don't have that. And we want to fight. Fight what? Fight what? We don't learn anything. We have all the examples in the Quran from the life of Muhammad. We need to listen. We need to understand. Okay? So... If you look at it, subhanallah, Rasulullah says, when he looked at the mushrikeen standing there and they're powerful, he realized they are in a position to win. Allahumma hadihi Quraysh unja'at bi khayla'iha. Oh Allah, this is Quraysh has come with its arrogance. Wa fakhriha. And showing off. Ja'at tuharibuk. It came to fight you. He didn't say it came to fight me or Islam or the poor people. Those who fight the Muslim, they are fighting Allah. Those who fight the truth, they are fighting Allah. Those who are fighting dignity and honor and truthfulness, they are fighting Allah. Don't think they are fighting you. Who are we? We are only slaves. That's why you look today, oh, they are fighting the Muslim. What do we have to be fought for? <laughs> if it is us, they will never even fight us. It's a truth that we have, but we don't know of. It's a truth that we carry, but we are not holding upright. If those who are non-Muslim meet the Muslim before they read the Quran or hear about Muhammad, they will never become Muslims. I promise you that. In the majority of cases. Because we are not really giving any guidance that will help them or support them to become Muslims. Okay? I hear this from many. Non-Muslim who became Muslim, <coughs> telling me this. Okay? Rasulak, And they have come denying your messenger. As I said, this was the night of Friday. Laylatul Jumu'ah. It was Thursday night when the rain came. Okay? And Friday when the battle took place. In Ramadan, the 17th. 
Now, people were standing to fight. Rasulullah came down and straightened the line for the battle. Okay. Then he sallallahu went back to the height, stood under the shade with him, Abu Bakr Sadiq. And the Prophet sallallahu looking at his companion, he began to pray. Abu Bakr Sadiq reported that he had never seen Rasulullah pray as much. He was praying so much, he was raising his hand until you could see, okay, his armpit. And today people tell us, we should not raise our hand. <laughs> if you raise your hand, they want to kill you. They want to fight you. The Prophet, if the Prophet did anything once, we can do it anytime. That's a sunnah for us. If he did it once, we do it anytime. How many times did he pray taraweeh in jama'ah? Only once. Why do we pray taraweeh every Ramadan? He didn't. Abu Bakr Siddiq did it. Only one time he came out and let taraweeh. Abu Bakr did not do it at all. Umar decided to do it because he saw the Muslims sitting in their homes. He said, look, it's better to bring it to the mosque. Alhamdulillah. He did good. The example I'm giving you, if the Prophet wasallam did anything once, we can do it anytime. Those who say to me, don't raise your hand in dua, I will never listen to them. Imam Malik was standing facing the Prophet in the muajaha, in the door. The qibla is behind him, you know. The qibla is that way. And raising his hand making dua. Somebody tapped him in his shoulder. Imam, you are the knowledgeable man. The qibla is that way. He said, my brother, the qibla for salah is that way, but the qibla is dua is there. So when you raise your hand, it's a sign you are asking. So we need to understand and appreciate. People are telling us, sing, our children are going, and people who are ignorant, wallahi ignorant, tell them things, and they listen. So the, somebody making dua, they put their hand like this. I tell them off. Beg. No beggar today come and ask and say, excuse me, I don't put my hand up. Just put it in my pocket for me. Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. 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 so Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was looking and praying hard, okay? And he was saying in his dua as reported by Bukhar Sadiq, Allahumma in tahlak 
هذه العصابة لا تعبد بعدها في الأرض اللهم انتهلك هذه العصابة لا تعبد بعدها في الأرض Oh Allah if this group of believers who are willing to defend your cause is destroyed you will not be worshipped on this earth again because he knows sallallahu alaihi wasallam the only way forward is islam there is no other way the only way is returning humanity back to its origin inna dina inda allah islam indeed religion in the sight of god is submission strive and surrender there is nothing else okay so he was crying and asking allah and then he was repeating allahumma anjiz ma wa'attani oh allah fulfill what you promised me allahumma nasrak Oh Allah, I seek from you your victory. Oh Allah, I seek from you your victory. Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu qal, he says, when the day of Badr okay, was beginning, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was with his companion. Okay? They were 319. This is what Umar ibn Khattab said. Okay? 319 men. Although the whole, the whole people think they were thinking of the men who were fighting 313 and the prophet then turned to the qibla and he raised his hand and he began to scream and ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala oh allah fulfill for me what you promised me allahumma ati ma wa'attani oh allah give me what you promised me oh allah if this group of believers are destroyed and islam is no longer <coughs> is taught to the people you will not be worshipped on this earth this is what Umar ibn Khattab reported okay so this is important now when they began the battle and listen to this carefully the mushrikeen because of their arrogance because they thought they have everything and they thought the physical has the upper hand not the spiritual As I said to you, said to you in a minute ago, Asif ibn Barkhia is a simple human being. And the Ifrit of the genie is a powerful creature. He can travel like that. He can leave the atmosphere of the earth. He can go deep into the earth. He can do anything. He can go to the lowest part of the water. He doesn't need any protection. But the human is more stronger. And in the story of Mi'raj of Rasulullah going beyond the heavens, and we talked about it, and Jibreel could not go, it shows you what we have. Wallah. Never, never for your life think you are weak. Never. As long as you have the faith, as long as you have the trust in your heart that Allah is with you, then you will have no fear. Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil. This is what we need to think about. Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil. Allah is our savior and he is sufficient. This is what the believers think about. Okay? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was in the front line with his companion and he was encouraging them never to turn their back and fight as hard as they will be given. Then from the mushrikeen side, Udba ibn Rabi'ah, one of the great mushrikeens, came out. His brother Shayba and his son Al-Walid. They came out and in arrogance they says, before we start the battle, we need three of your noblest men to come out to fight us. They wanted to get three men from the leaders of the Muslims 
to fight them and to destroy them so that they can frighten the rest. So, from the Ansar, okay, three came out. Now, what happened is Udba, Shayba, and his son, they said, Yes, you are equals, but we are not here to fight you. We want our cousins. Who are their cousins? They want the Qurayshis from the Muhajireen. They want anybody who is linked to them from the Prophet Sallallahu People like Abu Khr Sadiq or Ibn al-Khattab to come out. The Prophet Sallallahu knew better. He says, he took from his family. He said, قُمْ يَا عُبَيْدَةِ ibn al-Harith. Get up, O Ubaid ibn al-Harith. He got up. One of the strong men. Okay? Ibn Abdul Muttalib from the same family. Ibn Abdul Munaf. And he called the name to show them this is you know who he is وقم يا حمزة ابن عبد المطلب وقم يا علي ابن أبي طالب so whom did he call strangers distance he called his own family these are the nearest and dearest to him where we come from sometimes our leaders when there is a war they send their children abroad and they send the poor children to the front line. Do you understand what I'm saying? Please listen to this carefully. This is serious. In today's world, those who are supposed to defend us, help us, support us, they don't put themselves in the front. They don't send their children to the front. They hide those. They save themselves. Who is saved first and taken away? Them and their families. But the poor can die. The Prophet ﷺ, no. He will never do that. Out of dignity, out of honor, out of truthfulness. Because we're all equal. There's no difference. Okay? And then, what this Udba said, and Udba was one of the strong men. Naam akifa wa kiram. Yes! These are equivalent and they are honorable people. And in his heart, his black heart, he knew if he kill those three, it will put a lot of fear in the rest. They might run away even. And then Islam is destroyed. Ubaidah, and he was the oldest, he was fighting Udba, and he was the biggest. Hamza, he was fighting Shayba. Ali ibn Abi Talib, he was fighting okay, Udba. Or Walid ibn Udba. Now, when they were fighting, subhanAllah, Ali, although he is young, he killed Al-Walid immediately. Hamza, immediately, he killed Shayba. So those two, the father and the son, were killed. Who left was Ubaida, was uh, Udba. When Udba was fighting Ubaida, and they were fighting hard, they were both equal in the fight. And subhanAllah, Udba managed to strike Ubaidah. Ali ibn Abi Talib and Hamza could not stand and see him okay, being hit by a mushrik. So they jumped on him and they killed him. And later on, Ubaidah, because of that wound he had, he died as a shaheed. He's one of the shuhada. But he didn't die at first. He died later. Somebody else died to become the first shaheed in Islam. Then the war started. What did the Prophet say? قوموا إلى جنة عرضها السماوات والأرض. Get up 
and let us fight for a garden that it is as spacious as the heaven and the earth. And subhanallah, the believers were wonderful in that battle. When you read all the commentaries of the scholars, Allah, sometimes you cry because it shows those young men who fought like Ali ibn Abi Talib, like Umair, subhanallah, they did not stop. They fought and fought to win for Allah. They fought and fought to defend Rasulullah If only we can think and be like them. Now, inshallah, we're going to stop here. And when we come back for a little bit, we'll finish this area. And then, inshallah, we'll do some salawat and dhikr. And we'll finish as early as we can, inshallah. Let's go and pray. So, inshallah, a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillahi ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillahi al-ameen Muhammad ibn Abdullahi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim. So before salatu al-isha, and just I want to finish the battle of Badr. We were talking about rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam praying as hard as he can, okay? And Abu Bakr Sadiq was watching him, and he was describing that the Prophet was praying so hard, okay, until his shawl fell off his shoulders by raising his hand and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show victory for the minority, for the weak, for the oppressed, for those who have suffered in the hand of people who want nothing but their destruction. And in fact, the battle began, and then as I said, subhanallah, Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib and Hamza, okay, they were fighting, and Ubaidah were fighting, Udba and Shayba and his son Al-Walid. Al-Walid and Shayba were immediately killed by Hamza and Ali, and Udba managed to attack Ubaidah, and he cut him. That cut became a reason for him to die later on, but Hamza and Ali ibn Abi Talib jumped on him and destroyed him. And then the people just rushed, as you know, the war of the olden days. They just joined into battle. And the Prophet ﷺ was inviting his companion by saying to them, attack, you are entering a garden. It is as wide as the heaven and as the earth. Okay? Now, one of the companions of Rasulullah ﷺ says, his name is Umair ibn al-Humam al-Ansari. O Messenger of Allah, are you really saying a garden that is as wide as the heaven and the earth? The Prophet said, yes, of course. He said, Bakhim Bakhya Rasulullah. Oh, what a beautiful, huge reward, O Messenger of Allah. He said, what made you say Bakhim Bakh? The Prophet was asking him. He said, La wallahi ya Rasulullah, illa rajaan an akuna min ahliha. I said it not because I'm feeling proud that we're going to enter it, but I'm wishing and hoping to be one of those people who will enter it. So even in that, wish and hope. Because at the end of the day, the believer in his true maqam, he is between al-khawf raja he is between fear and hope. Never put yourself in a position to be, I am going to have it. Or I am one of it, or I am one of them. No, no. It's in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If he wills it, you will have it. Otherwise, you have no way. The Prophet then said to him, when he said, he lowered his tone, and he said, I wish to be among those people. He said, فَإِنَّكَ مِنْ أَهْلِهَا Indeed, you will be one of the people of paradise. Okay? Then he felt good. He got some of his dates and started eating it. And the battle was going on. Then he threw the date. He said, that which will delay me from entering it, I will not have. 
and he fought until he died. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Because the Prophet promised him. Whoever wants this shihada, got it with the Prophet while he's alive there. Okay? Now, when the people were fighting, they were remembering Allah. When the people were fighting, they were in dhikr. You can never fight a battle for Allah and you are not remembering him. Because Allah is with those who remember him. Adhkuruni, adhkurkum. Do you remember me? Then I will remember you. So those who are fighting the battle, in their tongue there is nothing. They're not insulting, they're not shouting, they're not saying slogans, they're not praising themselves, they're not reading poetry, but they are remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and saying that which makes them stronger, insha'Allah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was reported to have been fighting in that battle like himself, equal to all those who were fighting. He was fighting and he was the closest to the enemy. He was fighting and he was the strongest in the battle. He was fighting until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was so pleased with his intention and the strength that he had to fight to encourage those weak people. Allah brought down mercy and Allah brought down angels to fight with him. And it was there for everybody to see. After the battle finished, all those who were killed by the sword or the dagger, or the spear, or the arrow, you could see it in them. All those who were killed by the malaika, they were just like electrified. You could see just a touch in them. They were killed in a different way. The malaika has killed them. Okay, And the malaika could have killed all of them, but they were there fighting like men among them. Okay, Allah says in the Quran, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Surah Al-Anfal, Verse 12, فَأَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ إِذْ يُوحِي رَبُّكَ إِلَى الْمَلَائِكَةِ أَنِّي مَعَكُمْ فَثَبِّتُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا سَأُلْقِي فِي قُلُوبَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا الرُّعْبَ فَاضْرِبُوا فَوْقَ الْأَعْنَاقِ وَاضْرِبُوا مِنْهُمْ كُلَّ بَنَانِ And when your Lord inspired the malaika, I am with you, fight and strengthen the believers. I will Put in the heart of those who disbelieve fear. Hit every disbeliever above their necks here in this area. Okay? And anyone who is carrying a weapon in their heart, chop them off. Do whatever you want to do with them. Because once I touch them in their okay, banana is here. If you touch them there, then they are unable to carry on. That is, they electrify them with whatever power Allah has given to them. They were fighting among the believers, okay? And everybody was thinking of one thing. Either winning the battle and having the victory for the Muslims, or dying as a shaheed. Now, when you say, I am doing this for Allah in our real life today, the only way you can prove your perseverance to carry out what you intended to do Whatever the circumstances, you never turn your back away. Or the achievement of what you have intended to do. In the battle, once you fight, you are not allowed to turn your back. Allah said, Do not turn your back and run away from them. Because your intention is for Allah. If you are fighting for Allah, you know if you die, Jannatun Arda has 
a garden as wide as the heaven and the earth. You will go there. You are a shaheed. And if you win, this is what we want. To support and help those who are less fortunate than ourselves and to give them the strength that they are doing this, okay, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, many of the youth in that battle, they were running, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow them to die as shuhada. There is a story that's been reported by many of the people of, who wrote the Sira books. Abdurrahman ibn Awf, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, one of the ten people who are reminded, inshallah, he will go to heaven. He says, I was in the line, the first line of the battle in the day of Badr, and I looked at my right, and I saw two young men, youth, then they shouldn't be there. And I'm an older, a powerful person. I'm fighting a battle with the men, and these are young kids. One of them said to Abdurrahman ibn Auf, quietly, without his friend listening to him, okay, Ya Am, in Arabic you want to say Ya Am, oh uncle, Arini Abu Jahal, show me who the Abu Jahal, they, they don't know if who Abu Jahal is, show me who the Abu Jahal. He said, my brother, what will you do with him if he's... He said, I have promised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if I have seen him, I will kill him or I will die. By him killing me. And this brother was whispering and his brother was not hearing. The other brother came quietly to him from the other side and said, Uncle, could you please show me Abu Jahl? He said to him, why? And he noticed both of them, they don't want to show. You see? The other, what they are doing. He said exactly the same thing. He said, by Allah Almighty God, I had never been so glad so excited in any situation I have been in than that moment in my life. Two young brothers who are underage, both of them made an intention to kill Abu Jahl because he was the enemy of Allah. And he was the one who always hated Rasulullah. It killed them. They used to cry when they hear about what he used to do to Rasulullah. He's uncle, but a man who did evil. Who really did evil. There is a lot, if you read about his story, he did a lot of things. He said, then I pointed to both of them, that is Abu Jahl. They both jumped running to him like two, okay, birds rushing to catch something. They just jumped on him and they started hitting him. Guess what? They killed him. When Abu Jahl was killed, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Hada Abu Jahl. Hada, this is Abu Jahl. Fara'un hazihi al-Ummah. The Pharaoh of this nation. <laughs> when the two kids did, was confirmed by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi the worst enemy for Islam at that moment is, is this man. The Fara'un of the Ummah, of the Arab at that time, is Abu Jahl. There is no more wicked man than him. There is no more evil man than him. He never, never accepted the message of Islam. Yet he knew in his heart it was the truth. You know why? Because of his arrogance. Because of his arrogance. And arrogance is the worst thing. Okay? When the war finished, and the Muslims, 
الحمد لله when the battle against the مشركين the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم says قال الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم الله أكبر the first thing الله is the greatest الحمد لله الذي صدق وعده praise be to Allah who has fulfilled his promise ونصر عبده and he has supported his servant he didn't say ونصر رسوله ونصر نبيه no he didn't act with arrogance no no and he gave victory to his servant always when you find yourself in a, an upper position if there is anything you say about yourself say about yourself as a servant don't say about yourself forget about all titles because at the end of the day that's the only way you can go forward with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has given this victory it's not anybody else who is fighting the mushrikeen so even when you win anything don't say I have done it or I have huh? I did it no 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 you didn't do anything and I always remind people Allah said to the Prophet you did not shoot when you shot but Allah allowed you to shoot and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there for those people who will support him صدق الله العظيم Allah had spoken the truth when he says أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ولقد نصركم الله ببدر وأنتم أذلة O Muhammad sallallahu and your companion Allah who supported you and gave you victory when you were weak when you were nothing in the sight of the mushrikeen فاتقوا الله لعلكم تشكرون do fear Allah perhaps you might show gratitude. So when you find yourself in difficulty, when you find yourself surrounded by difficulties from the people around you, those whom you love, those whom you don't know, from the dunya in general, when life becomes hard, remember Allah a lot. Turn to Allah. Humble yourself. When you come out with victory, the very thing say, Allahu Akbar. Praise and put your cheeks on the floor and thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the victory. Show gratitude and fear Allah, but don't act with arrogance. I always say to people, when I came to this country, I used to hear sometimes when I'm sitting in the bus or train, a singer, I don't know who he is, he said, I did it my way. You didn't do it your way. It used to annoy me. Allah allows you to do it. We are believers. We don't go against the teaching. Allah is telling us. This is a verse, clearly. It's telling Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu I am giving you that victory. Okay? Then Rasulullah Sallallahu commanded the companion to take the dead ones to Wadi Al-Khalib, an area called Wadi Al-Khalib, and then they should be buried there. Okay? And then he, after they were buried, he went to them and he stood. Ya Ahl Al-Khalib, O people of Al-Khalib, did you find what your Lord has promised you to be true? That means you are in heaven, you are alive. For indeed I found what my Lord has commanded me or has promised me to be true. What? The victory that he had received. Okay? In that day, the day of Badr, 70 of the mushrikeen were killed. 70. I remember some of them are the biggest mushrikeen. Like Udba, like Al-Walid, Al-Muqira. These were huge names. This annoyed the people of Mecca. Okay? How many Muslims died? 
few. Subhanallah. From Quraysh, from the Muhajirun, six were killed. From the Ansar of Medina, eight. Fourteen. Fourteen to seventeen. Although they have the upper hand, they have the armor, they have the tools, they have the means, they have the bodies, they have the men, everything they had. And they were arrogant, and they were experienced. But yet, the Muslims managed to win. By what? By Allah. By the faith they have in him in their heart, by the uttering of his name in their tongues, by the courage that they carried with them, by their pure intention of defending the man who brought the truth for them. They will die before him, supporting him because he brought the deen. As Sa'ad ibn Ma'ath said to him, okay, whatever you say, whatever you say, ya Muhammad, we'll just follow you. Take anything you want. We'll be so pleased. However, we'll be sad for that which remains when you take. Because we would like you to take everything. This is the way they used to believe in him. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Okay? Rasulullah then sent two men to Medina to give the good news. Okay? Abdullah ibn Rawaha went. Wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala. Now, and he told him to tell them the good news that we have won, to give them the courage. He entered Abdullah ibn Rawaha and said, Ya ma'ashar al-ansar, Ya ma'ashar al-ansar, abshuru bi salamat Rasulullah. Listen to this. Oh, gathering supporters of the Prophet of Medina. Listen to the good news that the Prophet وسلم, is safe. He didn't say we win. He said the Prophet is safe. That is everything. Whether they lost or not, as long as he وسلم, was safe, they were happy. They wanted him back in their midst to do the job that he was sent to do. Okay? Subhanallah. وَقَتَلَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ وَأَسَرَهُمْ And he, sallallahu alayhi wa managed to kill a lot of the mushriks and capture many. And many of those who were killed in the battle among the great men of Quraysh. He went home by home to tell everybody the good news. And a lot of children were following him and they were singing Nasheed. Okay? They were singing Nasheed. This is really strange. That means when we're happy, we can sing. You understand? He was going, Abdullah ibn Rawaha, and he is very, you know, Abdullah ibn Rawaha is, is the famous. What, what was, why was he famous? Huh? Not poetry. He was doing something great. He was the Mu'addin. There are two Mu'addinin. There is Bilal and Abdullah ibn Rawaha. He is good. His voice was very good. So he was singing with the kids when they were going with him and saying the good news to everybody that Rasulullah has done something good. And they were showing joy, gratitude. Okay? Some people were believing. Some people were doubting until the Messenger Sallam was coming from the horizon. Okay? Rushing to Medina. And with him, all the captured Okay? And subhanallah, those who were doubting, they were the first to come and rush to him to say to him, we were sorry, Ya Rasulullah, because we felt you were in a minority without any means of fighting, and we knew the mushrikeen were hard against us. So the Prophet prayed and prayed for them. Okay? In the homes of the mushrikeen of Mecca, the sadness, 
has fallen into their heart. They were crying. Okay? Crying for what? For losing 70 men to Muhammad sallam, and the Muslims. But something big began to happen. For the first time, fear has entered into the heart of the people of Mecca. And this is from Allah. That's why I said earlier on, this battle was the beginning of the end of shirk. Fear really entered into their heart. They could never believe that Muhammad will ever, ever win. Okay? Abu Sufyan, he made a nether. He says, water will never touch his head until he attacked Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Muslim who are in Mecca or in Medina. He will find them. But, subhanallah, this victory and the sadness and the fear that entered into the heart of the mushriks gave the Muslims who are living in Mecca, who were frightened for izzah, honor and dignity. Why should we be frightened? Why should we worry? If this huge nation went to these poor people there and they managed to destroy them, we can do the same thing. Because we are not doing it for anything. We don't want dunya. We want the hereafter, insha'Allah, and we want the support of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us. I think here, we're going to stop, bismillah ta'ala, and we hope, insha'Allah, Allah will give us tawfiq in the future to carry on with this and to discuss further the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Where are the books? So inshallah we can read. I want people not to be late so that the sisters can go home. Lateness is no good. So inshallah I can remind everybody, inshallah, as long as I'm able and willing to come to the mosque, we will do the seerah between Maghrib and Asha because now Maghrib is going and it's not good enough. Uh, if Maghrib then become later and later, we'll do it before Maghrib because it's better. I really feel, and for the time being, it's okay. Maghrib until next Saturday will be about quarter past eight, so fine. Straight away, Maghrib finish, we start. Yeah? If you can come around eight o'clock, wait for Maghrib, do some tasbih, zikr, wherever you can. Pray Maghrib when we start like today, inshallah. Yeah? When Maghrib goes to about nine, perhaps, then we can come and start the seerah early and then pray Maghrib and between Maghrib and Aisha, we can do the salawat, inshallah.